for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Well, good morning. Are you enjoying the summer? Yes. Yes? Are you, are you enjoying the, uh, both the sunshine and the rain this morning? Yes. Yes. I know my garden is, and I'm pleased about that. That's less work for me to do a bit later on. Um, but uh, in this month, we're, we're doing a season where actually just through the month, uh, different preachers have their, their own choice. And uh, uh, when, when we thought about this, uh, this was heavy on my heart, not frustrating the grace of God. We're a church that is big on grace, and uh, I hope we can get something of that bigness as we go through the message this morning. Have you ever been frustrated? Have you ever been frustrated? That didn't sound like enough. Yes. Next picture. Have you ever felt like this? <laughs> okay. We can be frustrated by many things. It can be a puncture. It can be overlaying in the morning and being late for work. It can be as our experience this week in the office, a virus on the computer. It can also be operation stack. That means it's difficult for us to get from A to B, etc., etc. Very often it's things that mess with our, our, our agenda and impede our progress. And suddenly we get this tremendous sense of frustration We can't do what we wanted to do. We can't go where we wanted to go. And so this morning we are looking at not frustrating the grace of God in our lives. Now that is a a kind of a negative statement. And we could have framed it in a different way. So um, if we want to put it positively, we're to put it like this. Releasing the fullness of God's grace in our lives. But if I had started with that statement, you wouldn't have got where I'm going, hopefully where I'm going to go with this message. And and it's something that's really sort of got me as I have thought about this word. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 2, we're going to find uh, one little verse that picks up on this. We're going to just read it a little bit in context. Uh, we, We haven't got a great deal of time, so we can't unpack the whole of Galatians to get everything that Paul was talking about here. But if you go to Galatians uh, chapter 2, because that's where we're going to read it. And so we're talking about the grace of God. We're talking about the possibility that we could potentially frustrate God's grace in our lives. Grace is a big subject. It's what the gospel is all about. And that's why it's good news. Uh, In the acrostic, it's God's riches at Christ's expense. It's everything that God wants to give us at the expense of the life and death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But listen, listen, the devil hates it and our flesh will seek to frustrate it. You need to note that. The devil hates the teaching of the grace of God and your flesh will seek to frustrate it because it finds it difficult to comprehend it. Particularly in a world where we live so much by targets, by performance mentalities and so on. Paul has this interesting statement then in Galatians 2 and verse 21. And this is what he says there. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. Now that statement grabbed me. And I have never thought about this statement in any great depth until the last uh, probably couple of three months or so. 
And I, I began to think, what is this statement about? And I, we're going to look at it a little bit more, but just let, let's read some of the context, shall we? So he addresses in chapter 1 the church, read at the beginning, Paul, an apostle, uh, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember what we said, how he always addresses the church with this greeting from God our Father. We've just done a series on encountering the Father. Uh, Grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age. Notice that. He doesn't simply say get us to heaven but deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, when you think of the grace of God, it makes you want to say, praise him, amen, because it is so, so magnificent. And then in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which isn't a gospel, but there are some who trouble you and would prefer the gospel of Christ. Okay, we'll park that, and we'll come down to chapter 2 and verse 15. We are Jews by nature and not Gentile sinners. And yet we know that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. Even we've believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, rather than by the works of the law, for by the works of the law no flesh shall be justified. If while we seek to be justified by Christ... We ourselves also are found to be sinners. Is Christ therefore the minister of sin? God forbid. For I, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For through the law, I am dead to the law, that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, or by the faith of the Son of God, or by the faithfulness of the Son of God, as it can be translated. I do not, uh, who loved me and gave himself for me, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, then Christ died in vain. The Greek word that is translated there, nullify, is variously translated in different versions if you look across them. So it's sometimes translated as set aside, to make void, to ignore, to reject, to turn my back on, or as the King James Version has it, to frustrate. Frustrate. What does it mean? It means to to hinder. It means to to get in the way of it. Or as the Webster's Dictionary puts it, to prevent from progressing. To prevent us from advancing. So, okay, is Paul seriously saying that we can be big on the grace of God and we can frustrate it? That you can know the the grace of God in your life, the saving grace of God, and yet nevertheless there is a potential that you could frustrate that grace of God? And the answer is yes. The answer is yes. Otherwise, Paul wouldn't be writing like this. Paul wouldn't be unpacking it in this way. And this may come as a shock to us that we could potentially frustrate God's grace in our lives. But this is exactly what Paul's concern is in writing to the Galatians. He had, as we heard at the beginning, he had preached the gospel to them. 
In fact, in, in chapter 3 and verse 1, he, he says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Before your eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. In other words, Paul had clearly portrayed to the Galatians when he visited that Jesus was the answer plus nothing. Hallelujah. And that's the staggering grace of God. And if you haven't got it, you need to get it. It's Jesus plus nothing equals what? Everything. everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. everything. And this is the staggering nature of God's grace. And yet Paul is saying we can frustrate that grace in our lives. And that is exactly what was happening to the church in Galatia. You see, others had come along and got amongst them, and they had begun to teach, as we read there in that first chapter, a false gospel, another gospel, a toxic gospel. And the result of that was that there was a mix of self-help. There was outward religious observance that was being added in. There were lies about God. And that's a toxic gospel. And that can subtly creep in because the enemy knows the power of the grace of God. He knows what the grace of God unleashed in a human life can do. He knows that it can not only save that person and get them to heaven, but he knows that that grace can transform that sinner in a way that nothing else can. No other philosophy, no religious practice, etc. That God's grace is transforming. The result was that they had gone back on what they were believing. They were being poisoned and they were beginning to add to their faith different things to try and, as it were, what they thought, fill the gaps. And so that in chapter 4 and verse 19, we read Paul saying this. He says, I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Oh, I love those words. Because that is God's desire for his people that Christ would be formed in us. Not simply that we should be saved and have a free ticket to heaven, get to heaven when we die. That is great. That's fantastic. Praise God for that. But the Christian life is so, so much more than that, isn't it? It is that God has predestined us to be like Jesus. Maybe you've never thought of it in that way. But that's his purpose, that we should be like our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and so Paul is saying, hang on a minute, you guys. You've heard the gospel. You've believed the gospel. And now you're trying to add to it. You're trying to be transformed by the addition of stuff that doesn't need to be in there. And he said, I, I'm in agony again, much like a mother giving birth to see Christ formed in you. Hear this, it is the grace of God that not only saves us, but it is the grace of God that brings transformation in our lives. The other side to that is that perhaps in the case of Rome, they were in the other direction. They saw the magnificence of the grace of God. They saw that this grace was, was so big, so utterly amazing, so stupendous and glorious. They said, well, if, gra if grace is like this, well, let's carry on sinning. Because if we carry on sinning, God will be more gracious to us and forgive us. And, and more gracious to, to us and forgive us. And more grace and more forgiveness and so on. 
So they said, let's carry on sinning because it will magnify the grace of God even more. And Paul says, no. If that's what you're hearing, you still haven't got the message. So in some ways, the church in Galatia hadn't got the message. They thought, oh, let's have some more to Jesus so that we can really be changed and live for Jesus and so on. And, And Paul says, no, that's not the way. At the same time, he writes to the church in Rome, and, and they, were, they were getting it the other way. They saw the greatness, the glory, the magnificence of grace, and they thought, okay, this means we can just sit back. We can just take it easy. We can, you know, we can, it doesn't matter if we, you know, we, we can sin. You know, we can sin, and, and God can forgive us, and grace can be uh, magnified, and God can be glorified. Paul says, no. He says, no. He says, that, that's an, an abuse of grace. Yes, we are saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. Yes, we can go into the Father's presence at any time. We, we'd never have to earn the right to be there. We are now his sons and daughters. He delights for his family to come to him. We never earn his blessing. Yes, Calvary covers it all. We are made holy in Christ. He is our righteousness and we stand thoroughly complete in him. But grace is much more than that. It's about transformation and empowerment to live in newness of life. And that's what Paul says to the church in Rome. He says, why would you want to live like you used to live? You saw, the, you saw what that got you into. You saw the mess it made of your lives and of your relationships. And you've seen that God saves you from that. Why on earth would you want to live in the pigsty anymore? It's about transformation. It's about empowerment to live. It's not by rules, but through knowing the Father's love and acceptance that we are in the family, that he is for us and not against us, that he has given us his spirit, that he has given us exceeding great and precious promises so that we can live transformed lives. We can live saved lives. Live truly as his sons and daughters with our head held high. Hallelujah. God wants that for you. He 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 wants that for every one of us. It is the enemy who seeks to come in and twist the gospel of God's grace and thereby seek to frustrate the grace of God in our lives. You see, the gospel is not not about making people religious. It's giving them a relationship. It's not simply about getting them saved and home to heaven when they die. It's about transformation. New lives here and now. So Paul is writing about frustrating God's grace in our lives. This is about what I'm talking about this morning, walking the victorious Christian life. I have read and heard, I don't know how much, on the victorious Christian life. And a lot of it I didn't get. And a lot of it I've had to learn the hard way. And sometimes that's the way that God teaches us. The Galatians were missing it by a mile. Law, being religious, determination and tenacity are not walking in victory. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? I'll say it again. Living by law, being religious... Determination and tenacity is not walking the victorious life. I've been there 
My, my, my human nature is perfectionist. I know what it is to try and do it. I know the agony of it. I know the frustration of it. I know the disappointment of it. And I know instead of making me better, it made me worse. It made me, not only worse, it made me miserable. You know, that's what happened to the church in Galatia. Paul says to them, where's all your joy gone? If you've lost your joy, ask the question, why? And very often it's because we have lost sight of Jesus as the author and the finisher of our faith. I'd love to preach a bit more on the faithfulness of Christ, which is in that verse. Because we can very often have faith in faith, but in this case it's in the faithfulness of Christ himself, in Christ's faith. But that's perhaps for another day. So listen to, listen to this here. If change is by effort, by the effort that we put in, it will only last as long as we can keep up the effort. Anyone been there? Anyone want to own up? Want to own up? Oh, yeah, look. There's a number of us. If, if change is possible, if change is to be by tenacity and determination, it will only happen as long as we can keep that up. My experience is you get exhausted and you give up. The good that I would, I do not, and the bad I don't want to do, that I keep on doing. What a wretched, hopeless man I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And Paul's answer is Jesus. All the time, Paul comes back to Jesus. The answer to your question is Jesus. The answer to your question is Jesus. The answer to your question is Jesus. Really? That's simple? Yeah, that's simple. That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the gospel. So, I want to repeat that. Law, being religious, determination and tenacity is not walking the victorious Christian life. That is living in the flesh. If change is by the effort that we put in, it will only last as long as we can put that effort in. Galatians 3, 1 to 6. We'll read these words because this is just what this is about. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth before your eyes. Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. I want to to learn only this from you. Did you receive the Spirit through the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Have you endured so many things for nothing, if indeed it was for nothing? And does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Therefore know that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel in advance to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Wow. So how do we frustrate the grace of God in our lives as as those who know the truth of God's grace? Number one, perhaps the most obvious one, is living by works, living by law. Trying to obtain it, thinking that we still have to earn something from God. And that's what the Galatians were doing. 
It was all about performance. And the reality is this. When you get into that kind of Christian lifestyle, it's judgmental, it's joyless, and it's powerless. Do you hear me? Judgmental, because you judge people by your standards. Judgmental, it's joyless. You have nothing to rejoice about because you never know whether you've made it. And it's powerless. There's no power there for transformation. Secondly, it's about unbelief. The failure to believe the gospel itself. That not only will it save you and get you to heaven, it's actually something that you need in daily life. That, as I said earlier, the answer to the question is, who? The answer to the question is? Jesus. Jesus. Yes. The answer is Jesus. Let, Let me just say this. We're moving through some things very swiftly here. You, you become what you believe. You are what you believe. And I don't mean that in a, you know, anything outside of the gospel. Okay? So please hear what I'm saying here. But what we believe, we actually live out. So if your faith is skewed, if in some way you're being frustrated with respect to the grace of God, you need to go back and look at the gospel. I remember a time when I went through dark, dark days and I looked for different answers, and you, some of you have heard this before. I looked for answers somewhere and began to look elsewhere. Maybe the gospel doesn't deal with this. And I find, found that there were as many answers as there were questions. And I dug again into the gospel of God's glorious grace and drank deep, deeply of that well. And what a well that is. What a well indeed. Brothers and sisters, it's not just the, saved, the unsaved that need the gospel. We do. We do. We do. We do. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. Thirdly, it's a failure to receive. When we fail to believe and receive the grace that God has for us. There have been times when I say, I'm a perfectionist by nature, and I felt bad, and I thought, God, I can't come into your presence. I know I haven't fulfilled even my criteria. And then I just felt the presence of God come. And it's overwhelming just to suddenly be there and just suddenly receive the grace of God, which is receiving Jesus. That's what it is. The grace of God is just receiving Jesus. And it's like he comes and he says, Richard, I love you. I I knew this was coming up. (laughs) Didn't take him by surprise that I, I messed up somewhere. I knew this was coming up. And actually, when I did that at the cross, it was all there. Receive my grace. So it's not only believing, it's receiving. Sometimes we just need to sit in the presence of God and receive. Stop trying to perform up to God by our prayers. We can do that as well. We can even try and perform up to God in our worship. Oh, if only I I just hit another pitch... You know, I love music, I love loud worship, but we can get like that. If I can just screw this one up a bit more, suddenly I'll feel it. No, actually, you're just relaxing God's presence. Just allow him to come to you and enjoy the fact that he is and he loves you and his grace is, is just there for you. So again, I, I, know, I, I will never remember the numbers of what I'm doing, so you'll have to try and track them. Fear, okay, fear paralyzes us. Fear paralyzes us. Fear that we might fail in somewhere. Fear confines faith. It restricts us in every way. 
It is faith that releases the grace of God in our lives. I'm going to move through some things very quickly. Another one is, is feelings. When we live by our feelings, we can frustrate the grace of God. Now, at one time, I used to deny my feelings. I used to be one of those Christians who are very evangelical. Put a prayer plaster on it. Believe the word of God, and it will work out all right. And it didn't. And I used to think, God, let me down. Actually, it's God had given me feelings. And I wasn't taking note of the feelings that he had given me. So there is a place for feelings in Christian life. It can be like the lights on the dashboard. Ignore them at your peril. Okay? But you can end up living by your feelings. Oh, I, I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like reading the word today. I don't feel, you know. And that can frustrate the grace of God because as we move on, we'll notice some other things. And I'm going to refer to the means of grace. Those of you who are older Christians will know what that means. It was an old phrase that saints of old used to use about the way God ministers his grace to us. He gave us church for that reason. Yet the devil isolates people. We've heard some great testimony this morning, and they feed into this word. I hope you can hear that as we go along. But he gives us family to bear one another's burdens, where we can receive the love of God and receive the grace of God through others into our lives. But of course, we are proud, aren't we? We, we very often, I don't want, you know, I can manage this on my own. The devil says, you can do this, and you, you convince yourself, you do it. Actually, when you reach the point, I need my brothers and my sisters, that's a good place to be. We're family. We're family. And so, one of the means of grace is the church itself. The act of worship. Just being there in God's presence. Now, of course, you can, you can do it like, Lord, I've got to go to church. And if you, if you do it on that basis, it will never be any benefit to you. That's to go back to law. But the, when you see it as a means of grace, this is a place where we encounter God together. This is a place where God speaks. And it's been a joy this morning, isn't it, to experience something of that as we've worshipped together, as we've heard testimony and word in different ways. Wonderful. So the means of grace, the place of prayer, it's a means of God's grace. That's why the enemy contests prayer, whether it's your personal prayer or church prayer. He will contest it because he knows it's a place of grace. If you can get there, you're there because of God's grace to you. God has given you the privilege of just being in his presence and interceding, not only for your brothers and sisters, but for the world around you, for the saving of others, for the healing of broken lives, for his kingdom coming in greater ways. The word of God is a means of grace. The preached word is a means of grace. We hear God in it. Important things. Hebrews 4.16 says, Come boldly to the throne of grace, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some of these things I'm going to jump over quickly. The failure to obey when God has spoken. You know, if God has spoken into your life, God will give you grace to fulfill it. But if you refuse to obey what God has said, you'll frustrate that grace. And you'll keep yourself in your own little world. And God has his way of just moving us out of that world. That's what faith's all about. It's about growing us. 
When we choose darkness over light. When you are alone at night and you've got that computer on. Or you're away somewhere. And the temptation is just to flick on the television and watch anything that is there. To give your heart and mind to that which is pornographic is to frustrate the grace of God in your life. The failure to deal with temptation. Failure to deal with sin. Unforgiveness breeding. You read of that in in Hebrews. The importance we read through through the whole of Scripture of acknowledging our sin, receiving God's forgiveness, of extending forgiveness to others. Because we are all people on a journey. We're all broken people being made new by God. We're not perfect. And that's the nature of family. This family that receives the grace of God ministers the grace of God to one another. One of the big ones for me is failing to recognize that the dealings of God with us. If only I could have learnt this one a lot earlier. You know, you can know an awful lot of Bible truth and yet you can not know a lot of Bible truth. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and some, of, some of understanding the word comes the hard way. In fact, I think a lot of understanding the word comes the hard way. I'm thankful for all those who've taught me in the past but there are lessons that I've learned in God's school that have come the hard way. There have been times when I felt so screwed up because of events. I've, I've, God, where are you in all of this? In, a, in varying situations. And I found that the answer is not looking outside of me, but looking inside and being with God. And saying, God, if I, if I just go pointing the finger in all sorts of directions, I'm frustrating your grace. I'm in trouble. There's no answer there. There's no joy there. There's no power there. So God, I can't change this. And for some reason, you have allowed this to happen to me. And at this moment in time, I don't understand why. But God, I kneel in your presence and I say, Lord, teach me. What is it that you are wanting to work in my life through your grace. Because I feel that it's not just a situation outside of me, but it's something that you've touched inside of me. You go back to, you see Paul's statement there in Galatians 4, I I labor over you as as a woman who would labor in giving birth to see Christ formed in you. If you could ask over every experience of your life, Father, I don't understand this. But whatever it is, I know that in some way or other, your intention is that Christ is formed in me. How can I, through this experience, know something of the formation of Christ in my life? In that way, you will not frustrate the the grace of God. My experience has been that when you, you just find yourself in those situations and you can ask the questions, why? Why? Why did you allow this to happen to me? It gets you nowhere. But when you can honestly 
and humbly just go before him and say, God, I'm here. I don't get this, but I know that you're a gracious God, and I know that it's your grace that transforms. I can't change what's happened. I can't change those around me, but you can change me. That's, that's been a big lesson to learn. It's had its pain. But God's grace is just amazing. Could unpack that a whole lot more, but I hope you hear what I'm saying there. We frustrate the grace of God when we fail to recognize God's dealings with us. And we start simply dealing with externals rather than with internals. I think of Paul, who had this problem, whatever it was, and theologians just don't agree on what the answer, what the problem was. When he, he, he went to the Lord three times, and he said to God, he said, take it away from me. Take it away. I don't like this. Please hear that, you know, this wasn't a nice, polite thing. Paul didn't like it. God, take it away. Three times, it says, he went to the Lord. And then suddenly he heard God's voice. You see, he was in the place where grace could be manifested to pray for prayer. It's good to be honest in prayer. God doesn't worry about how we, you know, being all nice and religious. He deals with reality. We give him double vision sometimes by not being honest and just trying to put all things in nice fashion because we're talking to God. God just likes us to be real. In situations like this, he wants us to be real. And so we, there was Paul. Even Paul didn't understand what this was about. And he wanted God to take it away. And he gets that word, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. How many of you have ever been blessed by that verse? How many of you? That's most of us. That's most of us who've at some time in our lives have read that verse or heard it, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. That costs Paul being real with God. It costs Paul, in all honesty and humility, getting before God and being willing to hear God's answer for his situation. And in doing so, he received the grace of God. The grace of God. I love that verse, but sometimes I think we give it out a little bit too much, too easily, like a medicine pill, you know? It costs Paul something. And let me, let me say this. This growth in grace, this, being, this Christ being formed in us, does in some measure cost us something. Because it means being real, dealing with our pain, and allowing God's grace to come into it and bring the healing which he brings. I've run out of time. Um, There's another one there that's a big one, you know. We frustrate the grace of God when we are unwilling to sacrifice. The Christian life is all about 
sacrificial living, sacrificial giving, sacrificial serving, etc. And there's a grace that goes with it. I used to think of what they called disciplines as that, disciplines, spiritual disciplines. But when you see that they're grace disciplines, it's an entirely different issue. And sacrifice is one of those. That when we go beyond ourselves in sacrifice for others, we release the grace of God, not only into our lives, but also into the lives of others. And who knows what power there is in that. I bet you didn't expect that to come out of that little passage. But I tell you what, that passage for me the last couple of months or so has just been so, so helpful. There's some of you this morning that you are frustrated. And you're frustrated because you've lost sight of Jesus. And communion's a means of grace where we come to the table and we reflect on the fact that Jesus is always the answer. More of him. More of you, Lord Jesus, in my heart and life. I don't get that by effort. I get that simply by believing and trusting in you. Wonderful. He bids us come to the table. He bids us receive of his grace. And there may be those of you this morning who you just don't feel that you're in that place. The answer is Jesus has put you in that place. And we come through here. There are some who your experiences of, of life at the moment, you've not understood what's going on and maybe you won't ever fully understand what's going on. But you've been acting according to the flesh. You've been trying to resolve it with human wisdom, with human energy, and you've got nowhere. God would say to you this morning, that approach frustrates the grace of God in your life. God wants you to come this morning and realize afresh his grace. In your painful situation, those questions that are unanswered, something that you're trying to work through. When you discover the grace of God again, yeah, he may not have your questions answered, but in some ways they are, because Jesus is God's yes and amen. Isn't he?